News Talk 580 CFRA presents the Employment Hour with employment lawyer Lior Samfiru. Well, it is just after 5 o'clock. That can only mean one thing. It is indeed time for the Employment Hour. And look at that. Phone lines already open for you to call in with your questions. And uh, anything that puzzles you about your employment, your workplace, your boss, maybe you are the boss, maybe you have a severance offer in front of you, or just wondering what would happen if, uh, you know, after being employed for 30-plus years, you were let go. We can tell you the answers to all of those questions. All you have to do is call over the next hour, 613-521-TALK. Very simple. You can email as well. That is help at employmenthour.com. We'll see if we can get to a, a few emails as the afternoon uh, progresses here, Lior. But uh, welcome to the show. Good to have you along, pal. And I know you always want to start with the week. With the uh, the week that was, what is going on in your world? Well, it's, uh, it's great to be here. It's great to be uh, on uh, CFRA to talk about employment law and workplace rights. I can tell you, John, that since we started doing the show here live a few weeks ago, a lot of people from Ottawa, a lot of people from uh, Eastern Ontario have been calling, uh, emailing, uh, talking to me about the, their employment law rights, about their workplace uh, situations and problems, mm-hmm. and that's terrific. That's what we're here to do. We're here to solve some of those problems, answer those questions, and hopefully inform you about your rights at workplace, your rights at your job. You spend so much time at work. You need to know what your rights are. Not It's not always that things are going to go great. Sometimes things are great, but other times there are problems, and we want to talk about those. And so feel free to call us. It's a call-in show. We want to get you on air because by talking to us and us answering your questions right here on CFRA, we'll be helping others that are listening. But, of course, if you do want to talk to me privately, we'll give you my contact information throughout the show so we can speak about your issue without uh, being on air. And to get us started, John, as you said, the week that was, a couple situations that came across mm-hmm. my desk over the past uh, week or so. So first situation I'll tell you about uh, involved uh, a lady who uh, about uh, two months ago started working some significant overtime. She would be working anywhere from 50, 60 hours a week. As soon as that happened, uh, you know, because they were very busy, so she had to do it, she went to talk to her boss, and she said, well, you know, I, I need to get paid for, these, for this overtime. Yeah. They said, yeah, yeah, we're working on it. We'll get back to you. She continued working. Again, they were very, very busy, and she still didn't get paid. She kept following up with them. She kept following up with them, and they, they kept, pu- kept pushing her off and, you know, leading her on a bit. Eventually, things came to a head, and they said, no, no, we're not going to pay. And the reason we're not going to pay you, because in the past, we were very generous to you. We, we Even though you weren't working, uh, you know, 40 hours, we still paid you for 40 hours. So we think uh, you owe us some, uh, some time, so we'll call it even. Mm-hmm. She was very upset, and she ended up quitting because of that. That's when she called me. And she wanted to know, do I get my overtime? Well, John, first of all, of course she gets her overtime. It doesn't matter what what happened in the past. The employer can't say, well, you owe us time. It doesn't work that way. If she works more than 44 hours a week, she has to get paid time and a half for any hours over 44 hours. doesn't matter if you're on a salary. doesn't matter if you're full-time. Whatever it is, you have to get paid your overtime over 44 hours a week. So number one, they owe her overtime. But it goes beyond that, John. The fact that they refuse to comply with their legal obligations, in other words, they refuse to pay her overtime, and she quit as a result, that's actually a constructive dismissal. She left because they did something illegal. So in the eyes of the law, that is a termination. Okay, In the eyes of the law, that is not a resignation. So not only do they owe her overtime, they owe her severance. For her, that's going to be about 10 months pay. So I wanted to to raise this here. Number one, to remind people that you get overtime if you work more than 44 hours a week. doesn't matter what your company wants to do. Even if you're on a salary, you get overtime. 
And of course, if you don't get your overtime, your vacation pay, your wages, if your employer does something illegal, that's something that may allow you to treat that as a constructive dismissal. Your employer can't just decide to do that, John. And this is one of those times, I mean, always call you. That's a, that's always a good bet. Drop a line to you. By the way, that number to get a hold of Lior uh, when he's in the office, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Always call you. But this is one of the, those occasions where you are actually okay to call the Ministry of Labor. Severance, no. This one, you're okay, right? If your employer owes you money, let's, let's, no. let's put it that way. But by money, I mean they owe you vacation pay. They owe you unpaid wages, overtime pay, statutory holiday pay. Yes, you can go to the Ministry of Labor for that. Absolutely. No problem. What you cannot go for the Ministry of Labor for is if you lose your job. To, to get your termination entitlements, your severance, you cannot do that. You can only get your minimum entitlements with the Ministry, which is a fraction of what you're actually owed. And, of course, by doing that, you give up your rights. Terrible situation. So, yes, overtime, absolutely. Severance, no, you have to get advice. You have to go to severancepaycalculator.com. Frankly, anything but the Ministry of Labor. Yeah, right. And if that has you scratching your head already, call in. It's a call-in show, like Lior said, 613-521-TALK to talk to us uh, this afternoon. What else you got going on for the week that was? Well, John, we obviously talk always about severance if you lose your job. But did you know yep. you could actually get severance even if you never worked for the company? So here's a situation. I've seen this happen a bunch of times over the years. Uh, this person uh, accepted a job with the company, uh, and she was very happy about it. It's supposed to be a good job. She was working, so she quit the job that she had, and uh, she was ready to start. She already agreed with the company in all the terms. Well, John, on the Thursday before the Monday that she was supposed to start, mm -hmm. the company calls her and says, sorry, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to hire you after all. Our, our budget wasn't approved, so there's no job for you. We really apologize. Sorry about that. Well, hold on. This lady was put in a very difficult situation, of course, because there was another job that she had that she quit. So what does this mean from a legal standpoint? Well, from a legal standpoint, John, uh, it means that she lost something now. She relied on the company saying that she has a job, and because right. of that, she lost her previous job. She quit that job. So she has to be made whole. They have to pay her. They have to pay her the severance that she would have owed if the other company let her go. So I wanted to raise this here just to remind people that if you accept a job and that job is withdrawn, you may be owed compensation. The company can't just do that and leave you holding the bag. Would she get her full severance for the length of time she was at the previous job? She may well get her full severance wow. uh, from, from the previous job. And again, this is without actually working for this new company yeah. even one day. So <laughs> very important to remember that. Again, severancepaycalculator.com, uh, but for interest's sake, you want to find out how much you would be owed if you were let go, or possibly you really need it. Go to that website, check it out. We'll talk about it uh, in more depth as the uh, show goes on this afternoon. But to call in today, right here, 613-521-TALK here on the Employment Hour. We'll get to our uh, first call of the afternoon. It'll be uh, Pasha. Thank you for calling in. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Great. What's going on in your world? No, I want to know... If the law firm of Lior Sanifuru deals with unionized workplaces mm. in the public sector and the private sector. So it's a very good question, especially here in Ottawa. And the answer is, not only do we not deal with it, no law firm deals with it, only because we cannot. A lawyer is not allowed, not allowed 
to represent a unionized employee, okay? Only the union is allowed. And I get calls all the time, sometimes people telling me, well, the union is not helping me or the union's not doing a good job. And that's extremely unfortunate and extremely frustrating. But the reality is that even in that situation, the union is the only one allowed to help a unionized employee. The only thing you can do is work with the, your union. You can't hire a lawyer, not me or, or anyone else. It has to be the union. So, you know, we're not going to get into the politics of being unionized, but one of the downsides, I guess, uh, of being part of a union is that you, you can't deal with problems on your own. You have to put it in the hands of the union always. Yeah, that, that's a good point that uh, Pasha brought up is it, it's not out of choice. You don't want to be bothered. I mean, if you could, you'd be busy like you wouldn't believe it. Legally, you cannot do it or any other lawyer, so that's a good one to hammer home, right? Absolutely. So remember that. Yeah. It's not me. It's not something that uh, – it's like I don't like unionized employees. It's not that at all. I'm not allowed. No lawyer is. We're going to take a short break. Bernie, I see you there and your calls as well. We have plenty of lines for you to fill up, so feel free to call in for the remainder of the show. Would love to talk to you here. 613-521-TALK is the number. Lots more Employment Hour on the way. We're just getting warmed up. This is News Talk 580 CFRA. Now back to the Employment Hour with employment lawyer Lior Samfiru. It is uh, 519 on your Saturday afternoon. Plenty of time for you to call in, ask your questions as well here to the Employment Hour. Uh, 613-521-TALK is the number. Email is help at employmenthour.com as well. You know, look, just before uh, we went to break, we had passion online asking about uh, being able to be represented by a lawyer outside if you work in the union. The, part two of that question, really, which we often get on the show is, well, if they're not doing their job, if they're not stepping up on as me as a union member on my behalf, can I sue the union? Yeah, that is exactly the common question that I often get. And the answer is no, you cannot sue your union uh, in in any situation. What you can do is you can file a complaint against the union with the labor board. It's called a duty of fair representation complaint. You can certainly do that, but here's the thing, John. I've been uh, in this business many, many years, and those types of complaints are almost never successful. I'm talking about 99% of the time. So I generally don't recommend them, but that is an option. And But otherwise, you cannot take your union to court now. It's almost live by the union, die by the union, right? Generally. It is It is the rule, John, and I don't make yeah. it up. I just tell you the way it is. Absolutely. You got it. 613-521-TALK is the number. Call us. Uh, feel free to ask your questions uh, right till about uh, 6 o'clock this afternoon. We'll get Bernie on the line here. Bernie has been waiting patiently. Bernie, how are you? Yes, hi there, guys. Good. How are you, man? Good. Uh, I uh, own a small business. I'm in the welding and mechanical business. Mm-hmm. I hire guys uh, for certain jobs, uh, very short term, sometimes maybe three, four months. Sometimes they can last maybe eight months, depending on the contracts. And I'm just wondering, uh, for seasonal workers and for that type of job, how does the, the severance work? I've never, I've never actually given any severance to any of my guys. Now, Brittany, when you say you hire them on, on, on a short for short term or seasonal, are you hiring uh, hiring them with a written document that has their end date on it? No, no, because I don't know their end date. A lot okay. of times, I'll start a job; it'll be yeah. like for you know eight weeks, and it ends it ends up being sixteen weeks. You know, so right. 
So, so here's how that works. The reality is that if, if you're not hiring someone on, on a fixed term agreement, in other words, you're not hiring someone under a document with an end date, then yes, you do owe them severance. Now, because they, they haven't necessarily been with you for very long, they may not be owed a lot of severance, but they could easily, easily be owed a few weeks pay each of them. Now, the reason why you haven't paid it is because, you know, for, good for you in the sense that a lot of these people didn't appreciate or understand their own entitlements. And that's a very common thing. Most people don't understand what their entitlements are. So they probably assumed that they wouldn't be owed anything. But the reality is, yes, they would absolutely be owed severance. Again, a few weeks potentially each of them. The best way to protect yourself, uh, Bernie, so that you don't have to worry about this, is to have an employment agreement that has a termination provision which limits their entitlements to the bare minimum. So it would, just a couple of lines on an employment agreement. So that, that protects you. Because here's the thing. Uh, all it takes is one employee that, to say, wait a second, I know better. I heard the, the Lior show on the radio, and I know you owe me a month's pay. Once that person understands that, the word's going to spread around, and all of a sudden all these people are going to say, well, wait a second, you owe me money as well. The best way to protect yourself is to have an employment agreement. You should never, ever hire an employee without one. So if you want to chat with me and ha help me uh, have me put a very brief and simple employment agreement for you, let me know. It would be my pleasure. Oh, that's, that's, that'd be great. Now, even if they know when I hire them that it's short term, like they know, like I, when I hire them, I tell them this isn't a permanent job. This is, right. It's a short term. The, the severance still applies? Absolutely. If they they know it's short term, but what they don't necessarily know is short term two months. Is it six months? They don't know the end date. Now, if they knew the date, if they knew you are done with us on uh, uh, February fifteenth, if they knew that, then come February fifteenth, no, you wouldn't owe them anything. But if you're hiring them on a short term, but you know it could be three months, it could be six months, it could be something else, then yeah, you're absolutely you absolutely would owe severance in that situation. And even with short term people, it could still be a few weeks pay each of them that they're owed. Okay, so all these seasonal workers that work construction summertime, uh, they all are owed severance. Yeah, yeah, they wrote savings. We, we've talked before uh, on the show about construction employees. One of the biggest misconceptions yeah. is that construction workers don't get severance. That is a misconception because, yes, they are owed that severance. So yeah, you, you're absolutely right to make that call because as an employer, you want to protect yourself, right? You want to make sure that you don't incur liability. So you need to do that. And certainly for the employees out there, yeah, as I just said, remember that short-term employees, long-term employees, full-time, part-time, seasonal or otherwise, you are going to be owed severance if you lose your job. All right. And one way to, to protect me would be to, to have an end date, and then that end date could actually be extended. I could have them sign an extension for a month. If you you I can, but honestly, I mean, if you have a termination provision in the agreement, you may, you may not even need that end date because what that termination clause does is it limits your liability to a fraction of what it otherwise would be. So, okay. so we can chat about the best and most appropriate agreement for you, but without awesome. an employment agreement, you're exposed. Okay, I'll call you on Monday probably. Sounds good, Bernie.
Bernie, smart call. That's the smartest call he's going to make this weekend, I would imagine. Why? Because he's going to protect himself from here on in. That number, Bernie, by the way, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, for Bernie and you as well, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmenthour.com. You kind of touched on it there, and this is something we talk about on the show all the time. You take a employee and an employer. The handshake, no paper, is great for the employee, which most people don't think. They're nervous about that. That could be a death sentence for an employer, right? Absolutely. So we were just talking to Bernie, an employer, and I told him that you should not hire anyone without a proper written employment agreement ever. So, so that's very important if we're talking to employers. Now, if we take the employer hat on, off, sorry, and then we replace it with the employee hat, well, now we're talking to employees and we say, yeah, as you just said, John, you're far better off working without an employment agreement, a yeah. handshake deal, a short email that tells you you start Monday, you're getting paid uh, 20 bucks an hour, whatever it is. That is much, much better for you. The reason it's much better is because that means if you don't have an employment agreement, that you have the full protection of the law. Usually what an employment agreement does is it takes away some of the protections that you would have and other, other, uh, maybe eliminates them or potentially gives those protections to the employer. So that's why it's so much better for an employee not to have an employment agreement. Definitely, if you're an employee and, and you're looking at a 10-page document with a lot of legalese, be very concerned. You may want to call me and have me review it and tell you what it all means because there's going to be terms in there that are going to be very problematic for you. Be like Bernie. Give us a call. Get wise. That's how you do it. 613-521-TALK and uh, learn about your employee rights and employer rights as we do the show every uh, Saturday. It's 526 here. We'll get to more calls as they come through. That number again, 613-521-TALK. We started there, and we've had a couple calls in regard to this, so I'm going to go with this one. And the topic we wanted to really uh, focus on this hour was very common questions you get asked every day. I'm just going to start throwing them at you. Um, for instance, uh, what can I do if I believe that my boss is setting me up in order to fire me soon? John, that is a common common question, and we're going to oh. talk about a number of common questions that I get every day, uh, you know, questions that I deal with daily, weekly, all the time. So I thought that our listeners here on CFRA uh, may want to get the answer to these questions as well. So that the one that you just posed, you know, what do I do if my boss, I feel, is is working to, to fire me? He's building a case. He's doing something behind the scenes to kind of push me out of there. Well, what you don't want to do is be silent and quiet about it. Because if you don't do anything about it, you're, the boss is going to continue doing what he or she is doing. And at some point, they're going to they're let you go. And if they're going to say, we have cause to let you go, and you know we've warned you before, you didn't say anything about it, we put you on a performance improvement plan, you didn't say anything about it. Well, obviously, if you didn't say anything about it, it's because you've agreed. Silence is the same as agreement. It's the same as, as if you say, I agree. So what do you do? Well, if you don't agree, if, if you believe your employer is building a case and they're saying you did things and they're putting you on a performance improvement plan and they're, they're giving you disciplinary letters, if you don't agree with it, say so. And say so in writing. Okay, Make it clear that you don't agree and explain why you don't agree. Employer, you told me that I did this, but here's what actually happened. You told me that I made a mistake on this project, but here's what actually happened. Put your position in writing. If you do that, it's going to be very difficult, if not impossible, to let you go for cause. You're going to have uh, significant entitlements in that situation. So you have to build your own case, respond. Don't just be silent. Don't just be quiet. And, of course, if the employer does let you go, remember, you're going to be out severance. Call me. Go to severancepaycalculator.com if you need to. Uh, but don't just take it.
Another question you get quite commonly uh, asked to you, especially in the, the current work environment, is my boss is treating me badly, harassing me. What do I do? Workplace harassment is a very common situation, unfortunately. Uh, and I, I, you know, studies show that more than half, most people at some point have dealt with workplace harassment. Your employer does not have, to, uh, does not have the right to harass you. You have the entitlement to work in a healthy, supportive work environment, not in a poison work environment. If you're a victim of harassment, try to deal with it internally. Speak with HR. Speak with your boss. Speak with your boss's boss. Tell them what happened because once you do, they have the obligation to try and investigate. They have to investigate and to fix the problem. They have that obligation. If they don't do it or there's no one to talk to, talk to me. We may be able to get you out of there. That could be a constructive dismissal. That could be a human rights issue. You shouldn't be suffering from harassment. If your boss does that or any coworker, they have to resolve it. If you can't resolve it with them, talk to me and I'll get it resolved. Very common questions. Lior gets asked every day. I'm sure you're thinking of some right now. Feel free to bring them on the show and ask them through the phone, 613-521-TALK. I know you'll ask better questions than I will, so bring it on. We'd love to talk to you with the last half hour of the show. We'll take a short break and get more of these questions on the way. To get a hold of Lior when the show is not on, I'll give you that as well, 1-855-821-5900 and help at employmenthour.com. This is the Employment Hour, and it's here on News Talk 580 CFRA. Now back to the Employment Hour with employment lawyer Lior Samfiru. We are back indeed on this lovely Saturday afternoon. Still plenty of time for you to call in, ask your questions about employment, your job, your workplace, your severance, your boss, doesn't matter. 613-521-TALK is the number. And email is help at employmenthour.com. Till such a time, we get another call on the air, Lior. We're going to keep going through this uh, list of questions, and that is very common questions that you get asked pretty much every day. Um, we could do five shows in a row on this topic alone, and that is, do I have to accept going on what they call a temporary layoff? That is such a common question, and it's a uh. question that I've been getting for so many years, and employees obviously get it wrong. Employers get this wrong all the time, right. so we really need to, to address this. You know, If you haven't heard us talking about this before, you may be surprised that a temporary layoff is actually illegal. Again, we're talking about non-unionized employees, of course. A temporary layoff is illegal. In other words, your employer does not have the right to lay you off temporarily. If you've been laid off temporarily, that is a termination, okay? You have a right to treat that as a termination and get your severance now. You don't have to sit at home and wait for a month or two months or eight months and see and maybe they'll call you back and fingers crossed. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. A temporary layoff is a termination and in many situations, you're better off doing that. Why are you better doing uh, after doing that? I treat that as a termination because if you sit at home and you wait for them to call you back and you go back at some point, by doing that, you've given the company the right to do it again. So if you've done that that first time, they laid you off temporarily, you did not want to treat that as a termination, so you went back to work a few months later, well, now you've given the company the right to do it again. So the next time they lay you off, you can't do anything about it very important. So what happens now? Now you're going to go back to work. You work for a few months. They're going to lay you off for a few months, back and forth, back and forth. That's no way to work. That's no way to live. So because of that, that, that I always say if you've been laid off temporarily, maybe best to treat that as a termination. Okay. Get your full severance, leave and find another job. Okay. And for employers, remember, you may think you can lay off someone temporarily. In fact, by doing that, you may actually terminate their employment and then all of a sudden realize, 
holy cow, we have to pay them their full severance. So no, a temporary layoff is not legal, and no, you don't have to accept it. We're talking about very common questions that Lior gets asked almost every day in the office. Another one is, and I'm going to lob this one nice and slow over the plate because I know you're going to knock it out of the park, and that is, why do we why do we always say that employees get so much severance when the government website says, I get one, eh, maybe two weeks per year? Because, well, John, because they're negligent, okay? Well, <laughs> it's actually right. more, more involved than that because the government... Yeah. Specifically, the Ministry of Labor can only advise employees about their minimum entitlements. Okay, that's so important to understand that. Their minimum entitlements. So when it comes to termination of employment, your minimum entitlements may be a week's pay per year of service or two weeks pay per year of service, but that is only a small fraction of your full entitlements. We call those common law entitlements. And that's really what matters. So when you call the Ministry of Labor, you go to the Ministry of Labor's website, you do your research online, whatever it is, you may find out what your minimum entitlements are and think, oh, okay, I lost my job after four years. I get four weeks pay. Uh, I was offered five weeks pay. So I guess I'm good. Well, no, not so fast, not even close. Because your full entitlements in that example could be six months pay or eight months pay. So, no, you cannot consult with the Ministry of Labor. The Ministry of Labor can only advise you about your minimum entitlements. You want to know how much you're actually owed. Remember, those entitlements are based on your age, your position, the length of your employment. You can call me. I'll tell you how much you're owed. You can go to severancepaycalculator.com right now. Okay, It's not a week's pay per year of service. It's not two weeks pay per year of service. It's a lot more than that. And if you don't have that information, you're going to accept a lot less than you're owed. And later on, when you realize, oh, I was owed another $50,000, it may be too late to do anything about it. So please, if you lose your job, don't call the Ministry of Labor. Do the right thing. Again, severancepaycalculator.com. Go there right now just to try it out. There's no commitment. You can't pay for it. It takes about 30 seconds to go through it. And after that, if you do feel like contacting Lior, you don't have to go anywhere else. There's a contact button right on the bottom uh, as well. Phone lines open, ready for you. Feel free to call in, ask your questions. Important stuff here. 613-521-TALK is the number. Talk about the questions you get every day. Some are easy. Some are more difficult. Some are no-brainers. But this one, uh, this one's that, that you get up quite a bit as well. And I know your, your partner, Savannah Tamarkin, on the, uh, uh, disability side deals with this as well. My boss refused to give me the accommodation that my doctor, not myself, my doctor says I need. I get this often, and I, I always shake my head at this. I mean, if, if you're sick, if you're an employee that's sick, and your doctor says you need this accommodation, why on earth wouldn't a decent person say, yeah, okay, I'll help you out, I'll accommodate you? Well, it's not even just the decent thing to do. It's the legally required mm-hmm. thing to do. Because if you're sick, if you have a disability or a physical limitation, your employer has to provide an accommodation. What does that mean? That means that they may have to give you modified duties, modified hours. Maybe they have to give you some flexibility as to working from home. Maybe they have to uh, have someone help you do some parts of your job. Whatever it is, they have to help you If as long as, of course, you have a doctor backing you up, a doctor saying, here's the accommodation that you need. Now, the employer has to do that even if it's difficult. The employer can't say, well, you know, it's we could accommodate you, but man, oh man, would that be tough? No, it doesn't work that way. Even if it's tough, even if it's difficult, the company still has to do it. And if they don't, this is the key, that is a human rights violation. That's illegal. It's one of the most basic rights that an employee has is to, to be accommodated if there's a disability, if there's a medical condition. And the law doesn't take kindly to employers that don't do that. So because of that, if your employer refuses to accommodate or doesn't try hard or says, well, that's your problem, that's not my problem, 
well then of course that's a human rights violation that could also be a constructive dismissal that's illegal in other words you really got to reach out to me at that point and for employers out there again if you're not sure what the accommodation is required you can ask for more clarification you can ask for more information from a doctor but once you have that you have to accommodate, okay? You can't decide you don't want to. No. You can't decide uh, it's not your problem. It is your problem because the law makes it your problem. Again, you want to reach out, as Lior says, one 821 5900 When the show is not on the air, you have help at employmenthour.com. But you still have time to have to call us here at the radio station today during the show. It is a call-in show, the Employment Hour, and that is 613-521-TALK. Is there a um, is there a limit? I, accommodation has to be done. It's legal. We know that, especially on doctor's orders. Is there a limitation? Now, I'm asking this on behalf of an employer. How far do they have to go where they can no longer go any farther? So there is a point. That, that where accommodation is going to be so difficult that the employer can say, well, wait a second, I, I just can't do that. Now, as long as it's that difficult, then the employer doesn't have to accommodate. We call this undue hardship. In other words, no. the employer has to accommodate unless it's so difficult that it just becomes unreasonable. Now, the employer doesn't have to, to start operating on the weekend, for example, just to accommodate someone. Okay, The employer doesn't have to open a new department just to accommodate someone. But beyond that, uh, even if it's difficult, even if there's some cost involved, the employer still has to accommodate. But you know, if the employer reaches that point of undue hardship, fine. In my experience, John, employers jump to the conclusion that it's too difficult before they should, before it is quite that difficult. Right. And again, if that's what happens, that's a failure to accommodate, that's illegal, that's a violation of the Human Rights Code. 613-521-TALK is the number to call in. Ask your questions this afternoon, every Saturday at 5 o'clock, by the way, while we uh, we do this show. Going to move over to uh, to Diane on the line. Thank you for calling in, Diane. How are you this afternoon? I'm great. How are you? We are excellent. Thank you for calling in. What's, uh, what's your concern? I work um, for a Crown Corporation, and I've got almost 29 years in. I was off on sick leave last year. And when I returned to work before long-term disability kicked in, I returned to a drastically different job. Well, not different, but reduced in my roles. And I had done this position for 23 years. They're saying they're allowed to do that. Now, uh, Diane, are you part of a union? No. Okay. Now, this new role that you came to, did you end up working that role? Well, I put my, um, when I returned, I was on uh, gradual return to work, it was called. Yep. And um, at that time, as soon as I returned, I realized that a lot of my rights were taken away. I was, um, you know, a higher level, um, higher level, and then they had reduced my, my user rights, so I couldn't do most of my job that I had done for 23 years. Right. And... Um, I had sent emails and asking for my rights to be reinstated. I took my time, you know, because it was gradual return. They were trying to get it, and then they changed their mind. And and I've, I've been fighting with HR and my new manager and the director, and nothing's changed. I'm actually back on leave again, um, and they're saying... Oh, it's the way um, the work is evolving, and and it wasn't done because you were off on leave, but they took the big part of my job 
and gave it to somebody else and created a job for somebody else. So, Diane, so, so, so let's address that from two perspectives. Number one, let, let's assume for argument's sake, just for argument's sake, that it had nothing to do with your, your medical leave. I'll come back to that in a second. Even if that is true, even if it had nothing to do with your medical leave, they're still not allowed to do that. In other words, that type of a change to your job, as you've described, is results in a constructive dismissal. They don't have a right to change the terms of your employment. Even if they have a good reason, they're still not allowed to do it. What does that mean? That means that you may potentially have the right to treat your employment as being terminated and get severance. And by the way, for you, after all these years working there, that could easily be two years' pay. Yeah. Okay? So one of the options you may have is to treat that as a constructive dismissal. But the second aspect of this is it's hard for me to believe that it had nothing to do with your leave, especially when they took the responsibilities and gave them to someone else. So if it does have to do with the fact that you were sick or on a medical leave, well, that could be a human rights violation as well. In other words, not only is this potentially a constructive dismissal, it's a human rights violation potentially which can entitle you to additional damages. The problem you have is this. If you're going to continue once you're back working in this role, you're going to be considered to have accepted this change. Even though I know you don't want to, you never know, I know you're, you're talking to them about it, you know, continuing to work is the same as saying eventually, yeah, I accept, I'm good with it. You don't want to do that, Diane. So I think it's time to look at a constructive dismissal so you don't give up your rights. You know, two years' pay potentially is significant, uh, what you'd be owed here. So I want you to reach out to me as soon as possible. Let's talk about that. Uh, you know, I, I would do that sooner rather than later, and, and let's discuss how we proceed uh, forward with this. Absolutely. Great. Thank you, Diane. Appreciate the call. I'm going to give you that number right now as you as you go away for the rest of the weekend. Enjoy your weekend. It's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmenthour.com. We'll take a short break. Get back to more of your calls. We have open lines. Feel free. You still got time till six o'clock, and that is six one three five two one. Talk as the employment hour continues here on News Talk five eighty CFRA. Now back to the Employment Hour with employment lawyer Lior Samfiru. Back indeed. Still have some time to call in and ask your questions here live on this show. 613-521-TALK is the number. You can reach out by email as well, help at employmenthour.com. We are talking about some very common questions you get asked at the practice here in, in Ottawa quite regularly, Lior. Another one is this, that I work extra hours every week, but I never get paid for them. When does my employer have to pay me overtime? Yeah, and that's a great question, a very common one, uh, and we touched on it uh, a bit uh, at the beginning of the show during the week there was, but let, let's uh, talk about that. You know, overtime legally is paid here in Ontario if you work more than 44 hours a week. So, it's, you know, a lot of people think, well, if I work more than eight hours a day or 40 hours a week, no, not necessarily. You would get that if your employment agreement says that, but beyond that, if you're asking kind of the law, when does the law jump in and intervene? Well, the law requires the company to pay you overtime if you work more than 44 hours a week. Now, uh, what does that mean for, for everyone? If you're a salaried employee or certainly hourly employee, you get paid overtime. There's some people that are exempt from overtime. For example, managers. Managers are exempt. Usually, managers don't get paid overtime. Some other positions are exempt. IT professionals, uh, other professionals, doctors, lawyers, uh, accountants, a few other people. But for more, most people, you get overtime over 44 hours a week. Now, that is also the case, by the way, if you're on a salary. So how do we calculate overtime for salaried people? We simply look at the, the weekly salary, whatever you make in a week. We divide that by 44, 
And that gives us an hourly rate. Your uh, overtime rate is time and a half, one and a half that. So you get time and a half for anything over 44 hours a week. And the last thing I'll say about that is you get overtime even if you uh, you don't get it approved by a manager. As long as the work is required in order to get the job done, the company has to pay it even if they didn't approve it. So right. remember that, overtime, 44 hours a week and above. Want to reach out to Lior uh, after the show? One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. But for the remainder here on the show, still got a few minutes. Six one three five two one talk is the number. Common questions you get. How about this one? My employer just moved offices. Not that convenient. Do I have to move with them? And what happens if I don't? Yeah, and you know the answer to that is well, it depends. It depends on how this impacts you. The more it impacts you, the more likely it is you don't have to go. Listen, a change to work location is a big deal. It's a significant change, and it can result in a constructive dismissal. It would be a constructive dismissal if the change impacts you in a significant way. So usually, what if I say if it gives you an extra hour kind of each day, uh, then you know of driving of commuting, it's probably a big enough deal uh-huh. that you could be uh, treating that as a constructive dismissal. So now, if if it doesn't impact you significantly or it's a minor impact, you may not be able to do that. In other words, yeah, you have to go. But if your employer makes a change to work location and now you're going to spend, oh my gosh, I'm spending an extra 10 hours a week or whatever it is, driving or, or commuting, then in that situation, you don't have to go. You can treat that as a constructive dismissal and get your severance. You can force the issue. So again, depends how it impacts you. I've had many cases over the years where I've represented individuals that uh, where their employers moved away. And honestly, John, these issues are uh, fairly easy to resolve, again, as long as it has a significant impact on you. If I love my gig, though, and they move, and are like, you know what, it's, it might be a little bit of a drag to make the commute longer, but I'd like, to, I'd like to try it. Can you do that without accepting it right off the top? Yes, you can, but what you have to do is tell them that you're doing that. Ah. I would tell them, and in writing, remember the rule, if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. Yep. I would tell them, just so you know, employer, I'm very concerned about this move. I don't know if I could do it, but I want to try it. So I'm going to try it for the next three weeks or whatever it is, and then I'll let you know how it's going for me. And if you do that after the three weeks, and if you decide that it's fine, it's not a problem, no problem, you can continue working. If you decide that it is too much, you're not happy with it, you can still treat that as a constructive dismissal at that point, but you have to tell your employer that that's what you're doing, that you're, you're going to try it out, put that in writing, and then you preserve your right to treat that as a constructive dismissal. Very common questions you get, Lior. I'll throw one more at you under this topic, and that is how many warnings does my employer have to provide me before they can just flat out fire me? Well, remember, that, you know, the, the, there's an implicit assumption there, which is correct, that your employer can't just fire you for cause uh, just because you did something wrong. You may have done something wrong, but you still can't necessarily be fired for cause. The company has to give you advance warnings. They have to build up a case before they can let you go for cause. Now, how many warnings? It depends on what it is that you did. If you've been late three minutes, well, you're going to need a bunch of warnings, frankly, before the company can ever consider letting you go for cause. The more serious the misconduct, the less warnings are required. As a general rule, you know, it's a very general rule, but I would say that three warnings are required or or three disciplinary measures are required before the company can consider letting the employee go for cause. So maybe two warnings and a suspension or three warnings, what have you. And then once they've done that and the, the employee still continues in the bad, with the bad conduct, the company can say, well, what more can we do here? Mm. We're going to let the person go for cause. Most employers, John, jump the gun. They fire the person for cause, the employee for cause, before they should, before they built up a case. 
That's a wrongful dismissal. Most people that are let go for cause, i.e. without severance, are in fact wrongfully dismissed. They're owed their full severance. If that happens to you, you have to reach out to me, call me, email me. We have to talk. Great stuff for another week. My brother, if you didn't get a chance to call through or maybe you have a question now you want to ask off air, no problem. 1-855-821-5900 is the number to get a hold of Lior. Always severance pay calculator to find out what you're owed before you sign anything. Do not do it. Make the phone call afterwards. And then maybe follow up with an email as well, help at employmenthour.com. We'll see you here next weekend at this time. Employment Hour right here. News Talk 580 CFRA.